everyone, and welcome to another episode of Opposites React. Uh, I am here with my Who's Bond, Tyler. Hello. We are on episode 14 on April 29th, 2020. How's it going? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am not too shabby. And where do you want to start today? We haven't really been doing anything different gaming-wise, kind of. Well, you yeah. want to talk about your Apex mode? Yeah, um, there was a new Apex uh, limited time mode that started yesterday. I think it's called the Battle Armor event. It's going to run for two weeks until the next season starts on May 12th for season five. Um, so the main uh, hook for the event, I guess, is that uh, everybody dropped. It's only in trios, this event, so you can't play duos. Mm. So three-man squad like normal. Uh, everybody drops in with white armor, like your two armor cells, your normal white armor, right. um, plus a P2020, just like your starter pistol. Okay. So uh, it sort of eliminates that initial kind of like RNG drop of like, Usually, when you land, the first thing you want to scramble to do gun, is obviously gun, gun, gun. find a gun and, and armor if you yeah. can. I mean, gun obviously is a priority because if you just someone's run at you with fists, they just punch you down. But yeah, yeah so this is what you're starting off with already a, a weak gun and some armor. So off, right off the bat, you you could land hot and, and try and just down a couple of guys, or you could still try and run for that. Like, there's no other armor in this mode. So there's no like blue mm, armor, purple armor. No way to upgrade. You, there's no way to upgrade your armor. You can still re- repair it with the shields and stuff. That's all still there, the healing aspect. But uh, yeah, so everybody, the, the fights are pretty quick. Like I've seen matches go from like like I've seen champions within like eight minutes. Wow. Because I mean, that's nice and quick mode. Yeah, though. it's like pure aggressive. Now the event's gonna evolve over the. I think they said this. It runs from Tuesday to Saturday. The currently the way it is now, and then on Saturday. Oh. That's how they're gonna switch it so you you drop in with blue armor. I think you always just start with the pistol. They haven't they haven't changed okay. that. So like, as of this weekend, you're dropping with blue armor, which means fights probably last a little longer. Uh, and then as of next week, sometime next week, they're gonna switch it to purple armor, which yeah, really lasts really long. Oh, no, there's no red. Gold but well, there there is red technically, but yeah, there's no gold stage. It goes like white, blue, purple, and then the final final stage will probably be the most fun. That's when you drop in with the Evo shields. That's when you start oh. off with you only start with one shield cell, but you can upgrade pretty fast to like. You can evolve all the way up from blue to purple to, yeah. Oh boy! So you start off basically with like 125 health yeah. with an Evo shield, or normal 150 with white. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It definitely makes the fights like people are more aggressive because it's just there's no point in really high. It makes it makes sniping more viable too. At least in the current stage mm. with the white armor, it makes sniping really viable because if you break someone, obviously they might not be able to repair their armor if they don't need shields, or if you headshot them, they may, you might even be able to one shot someone. Right. So. Yeah, it's it's bringing back some different gameplay styles too. Um, I think it's interesting. Any baseball news? Uh, nothing special. Well, uh, so this coming Friday, May first, is when the uh, third inning program is going to start. Okay. That's when, uh, yeah, so new content will come out. They're going to have new. They've already teased. There's always like three bosses for each program that you can unlock when you get to 300 stars. So usually they tease one every day leading up to the new season. So today they revealed a. Uh, like a, I think it's a 93, like a, obviously a diamond, like a 93 second baseman Brian Roberts. Okay. Who was uh, he was like a he was a good second baseman. Like he had a good career, but he's not like what I think of as like a legend or a boss. So I'm hoping the other two cards they reveal are a lot better. Usually it's probably if it follows the other trend. I think it's probably going to be two hitters and a pitcher usually. So they give you a little okay. bit of variety. So if you don't like the second baseman, you can you don't have to go for him. You can maybe go for whatever pitcher they reveal or another right. a big hitter. Uh yeah, they're like they they saw that event on they started last week the like the the future is bright event I think it's called when you play with just like the the prospect future stars face of the franchise cards so it's well I've I've only played a few games that event and surprised I have actually I went three and zero in the event last week when I started playing and then I got distracted by other missions but I know <laughs> people, reading on Reddit and stuff people are saying like it's like a lot of 
like the really good players are playing that event right now because they're all grinding uh, to get the cumulative wins and stuff. Okay. A lot of times you're playing guys in there that are like awesome at ranked and they have like super squads. Mm. So it's probably not great to jump in if you're new or if you have like a basic squad because unless you get lucky, you might really get dummy. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it for baseball right now. Um, you, uh, what are you, you, no, you're still playing Persona and Final Fantasy kind of? Not really. Not really. Not I really. didn't play since the first day. It bored me enough to not want to go back for now like it's it's i am much more into persona 5 than i was initially into but you're not it's not the point at persona 5 that you've gotten to before like i am getting close Mm -hmm. i am getting very i can smell it (laughs) so i'm hoping to get there today or tomorrow i can finally see new content (laughs) oh boy i probably still have like 100 hours to go but i'm very excited i'm i'm much more into it than i was in previous attempts like I'm making sure I pay attention. I'm taking notes so I remember people's names and their backstories. So mm. I am much more into it, and I'm hoping that'll bring me the distance. Well, another positive note too: you're able to uh, spend a little PSN money today, get some sales. Yeah, some got some gift yeah. cards. Uh, so I was able to buy a whole bunch of games on the Japanese sale, which happens every year because it's Golden Week in Japan, mm. I believe, next week. So yeah, every year this is like my gaming Christmas because it's all the games that I want go on sale. So uh, I am excited to pick up a whole bunch of games and I will get to them after Persona because that's my like benchmark right now. I will have to beat that first and then I will move on with my life. (laughs) And Animal Crossing is never going to end. So Yeah, I've noticed you're uh, obviously at that point. Did we talk about the last podcast that you had already gotten? Did you get KK in the last podcast already? I think I did. I can't remember. So now you're basically at the point where you're just like terraforming the heck out of your your island and making it the way you want. Well, I can never decide (laughs) what the way I want is. Uh, So I am am working my way down from the third level. Now I'm on the second level now trying to figure out what I want, making my little residential area. But then I've changed my mind five seconds later. Then I got to move the waterfall all the way across town. So... It is awful, and I don't like it, but I love it. Cool. So what do you got for us today? I do. I, uh, As listeners probably remember, last week was video game heavy. Yes. It was almost primarily video games. We were talking about... Uh, which one was last week? Last week when we talked about games that... Underappreciated uh, PS3 generate... PS3 360 right, games. Right, like 10 games or so that we had discussed. Okay. Right. Split second. So today, uh, it takes me more movie-centric. So again, on the flip side, if you're a video game fan, now you might want to tune out. We already talked about the video game <laughs> stuff. If you're into the movies, then hopefully you'll get something out of this. So uh, I, I don't have a number on this. I don't know. There might be like 15 or so movies on this list. I didn't really count them. But I was just going over in my movie collection. As you do. As I do. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with ideas. I'm trying to think of movies that had... like also all the movies on this list I have seen in theaters, for context. Okay. Um. I would say it's pretty rare that I, if I, if there's a movie in my collection, it's pretty rare that I didn't see it in theaters. Like I may have bought some, like there's a, there's some exceptions. Like once there's gonna be a separate, I ever had a good idea today for a separate show we can do in the future of movies that I regret not seeing in theaters. Mm, I have one of those. Mm-hmm. But uh, these ones I definitely did all see in theaters. And what my main point of this topic today is I want to pick one specific scene from each movie. And I'm not going to go heavy. In a sp- if there is any spoilers, I'll mention it beforehand. But, so <laughs> if you can just fast forward if you want to be spoiled. But I'm going to try my best to avoid spoilers for these moments. Because they are usually the, the hype some moments. of the hype moments or pivotal moments of films. And some of these films are a little older. So you may have already, chances are you've probably seen them by now if you had a slight interest in this film to begin with. I'm not talking about a film that just came out like two weeks ago or anything. Mm. Um, but... Uh, I, I did them. I did them kind of, kind of in alphabetical order here, and then I kind of skipped ahead at the end. But so we'll try and 
keep this alphabetical for now. So I kind of give you an idea too, if you want to skip ahead. So the first one on the list, well, this one shouldn't really be a spoiler for anybody. I think anybody probably like, I don't know, I would say 10%. Avatar. Was the it? Avatar. No, I was going to say probably 10%, 10% of the planet has probably seen this movie by now. Oh, it's Avatar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, based on the box office, right? Uh, well, this one's actually bigger. So this would be um, Avengers Endgame. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it. No. <laughs> I'm part of the I'm part of the nobodies. So, yeah, when I when I had to think of one hype moment that I would like one thing that I like sat forward in my theater seat and I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be awesome." I mean, again, spoilers, so if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, skip forward now for like 30 seconds or so, but uh it's definitely the uh Avenger, Avengers Assemble moment. Mm. You know, when Steve Rogers says the iconic line and and the whole team just you have all the, everybody's just back. Like everybody who was banished in the previous Infinity War or got turned to dust or whatever, they all came back for one big fight against Thanos and his CGI squad. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a super high. And the music too sells it. Like the yeah. music is amazing. It's just one of those moments where like everybody. I remember seeing it in Pack Theater. Everybody, they were just like, yeah, screaming. <laughs> right. It was, it was the kid's culmination of what like. 15 years of those Marvel movies. Is it really that long? I think it's something like that. Crazy. It might be that long. Maybe it's more like 12 years. I was going to say 12. It's definitely over a decade. But yeah. But yeah, it's like tons of, you know, you got like those 20, I think it was 24 overall Marvel movies that Sounds made up that right. universe. Yeah. So like it's a culmination of all that. Like all these, if you've seen all the movies, you already have a relationship with all the characters. Yeah. So having them all come back is really cathartic. And yeah. It was cool. Um, yeah, that's definitely the most recent hype moment I've had mm. in, in movies. Um. Next one on the list will be another Marvel one here. Uh, a little bit older, though. It's uh, the Captain America Winter Soldier, the second okay. Captain America film. So, again, spoiler if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> uh, we are going to mention in this one, probably about midway through the film, there's that scene where uh, Captain America fights Bucky for the first time. Remember okay. what I'm talking about? When Bucky's kind of like, he's almost about to like kill Black Widow. Like, he's got the jump on her. And Captain America's kind of like, they're fighting in the streets somewhere. There's like a street showdown. Remember like Captain America just like runs in and like, is there a Bucky... motorcycle involved? No. It, well, you're thinking before this part happened, I think. Okay. This one, the two are just fighting in the street, having a hand-to-hand fight. And this, because this was a scene, this was the first time in a Marvel movie I was actually really impressed by like, the choreography, the fight choreography. Oh. Okay. It is that it did a little. It's cut a little bit so that it's not like it's not all. They're all, all doing it like one take or anything. There's definitely some cuts there, but at the same time, you can tell that it's the two actors that are doing all the fight choreography themselves. Right. Like, they're not cutting to avoid uh, Chris Evans' face or. Oh like, yeah. Even though Bucky's wearing the mask, you know it's the same actor under there. Right. And so it was cool, like seeing them have this intense, like you know, one on one. You know, see how like in Marvel movies you did superhero stuff. It's like oh, someone just gets blasted or knocked down. This time, like they're fighting hand to hand for like right. a minute and a half, and it was pretty cool. That one definitely like in theaters. I remember two people getting pre-hyped on that. Mm-hmm. Um, next on the list will be uh, uh, the movie from 2004 uh, called Collateral. I know I've mentioned this podcast before. That's the one with uh, Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. So again, spoiler here is going to be a brief spoiler here, but I'm not going to get really too really? in depth on it because, well, spoiler in case if you were wondering what happens. Well, I'm not going to mention what happens, but because well, this is in the last third of the movie, this part. There's a right. scene where. There's a scene where the Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx characters, they're in a nightclub together. Yeah. Now, anybody who knows, anybody who's seen a Michael Mann film before, he's the one who directed Collateral. He's really great at shootouts in films. He likes to do realistic shootouts. And by that, I mean, like, he's very, very realistic about sound when it comes to gunfights. 
See, like, so whether whether it's like he, Heat's the prime example in, from 1995, they had that amazing shootout in the streets of LA, and that the the audio on that was ridiculous. Okay. Like, it was the way they filmed it, and this one was no different. This was so you're inside a packed nightclub, the you know the music's blaring. The, mu- it's... This, the only thing I took away from the scene was mm-hmm. the music. Yeah, I the can music hear it great. in my head right now. But once the gunfire starts erupting in this club, it is like it's loud. Yeah. And it's, I remember seeing this in, in I, something this came out when I was still in high school, but I remember seeing it in theaters with my mom. Oh was, really? Yeah, and like, even she was like, I could tell she was like really like hyped about this yeah it was just i mean there's been some violence in the movie up to this point a couple brief moments with tom cruise but this was like when it really popped off okay so this is like the best action scene yeah. in the movie for sure i agree yeah uh next on the list will be uh this one's from i think 2016 uh creed okay yep box, they, box. They, they made a sequel creed 2 like a couple years ago but this is the the first creed movie with uh you know with uh so that's just obviously playing the older rocky role and they got creed's son playing the lead role michael right. b jordan acting as apollo or sorry adonis creed not apollo, apollo creed's dad adonis creed is the name so uh biggest one for me in this one and i'm not gonna get into spoilers here but it's the, the basically the final boxing yeah, match in the movie sure. the final fight which is what everything's building up to in the movie he has to fight against this number one heavyweight in the world type thing and it's not yeah the fight itself is so great that's what i liked about it too is just like the between the like there's a part in the last round of this fight where they pump in like the old rocky music mm. like a little nostalgia there yeah. but at the same time yeah but it's more just like the acting there's a scene i'm not going to spoil the, the context over here but there's a scene in this fight maybe like midway through the fight when creed's getting beat up a bit and he's having this emotional moment with rocky like when they're in between rounds when he's kind of like getting patched up or whatever and he mentioned right. something about him and his dad and mm. it just like emotionally just all the weight hits you at that moment and it's it was, it was acted so well and it was one of those moments like i first off the fight had me hyped in the theater mm-hmm. and when this moment happened too i was like i saw this movie by myself the first time in theaters and i saw the second time with my mom in theaters but the first time i saw it by myself and this scene happened i bawled oh no <laughs> like it was an emotional moment i don't think any, any guy would have would have teared up a bit you know what i mean does you have to have like the rocky backstory to understand it helps a bit it helps yeah. a bit but going in blind you could still okay appreciate it for just what it is so that was a great one um Okay, uh, jumping to a couple of, well, slightly older, maybe older, I mean, we're talking about a decade or so. So we're going to talk about The the Dark Knight. Oh, okie dokie. Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, obviously. Uh, I mean, who hasn't seen it? This is on par with the Avengers. Yeah. Who hasn't seen The Dark Knight? I now? don't know. So uh, The Dark Knight, I had a few I could have chosen here, um, but I'm going to go with the, I was going to say, I know when I asked you earlier, when I mentioned, I, I kind of ran this list by you earlier. I said, what moments do you think I'm going to put on this list when I give you the movie? And for you, you had said the earlier pencil. on the movie, the Joker with the pencil. Trick. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was that. Like, that got a great uh, reaction from our yep. audience in the cinema. I remember that because that was pretty cool. But for me, it was more, um, it's 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 the way this scene is shot. It's with the, the awesome Hans Zimmer music kicking in. And then it's the first time when, uh, you know, when Joker shows up at the, at Batman's like, or crashes Harvey Dent's party at the apartment. Oh, the, the yeah. Or whatever. I can see it in my head. I remember the part you have like, so Bruce Wayne, who, who's like, you know, hosting this party for Harvey Dent or whatever. So Bruce Wayne like sneaks up behind Harvey Dent, like chokes him out. Because right. he knows Joker's coming for him. So he hides Harvey Dent somewhere. And so meanwhile, you have all these, you have this montage going on where they're showing like, Gordon with the police commissioner who's been poisoned by the Joker. Mm-hmm. Joker blowing up like a judge's car. Right. Remember like I the drums kicking in and then you have like and then Joker comes up in the elevator and then he just like as soon as the elevator opens to Alfred and Joker's like we made it. <laughs> <laughs> like that moment was just like in the cinema. Isn't that, that where was... the um smile like where do you, where do get these scars come from? What's well, the he has that a little bit into that scene. That's when yeah. he has that scene with uh with the Rachel character yes. where he kind of tells her the story. And right. he, yeah, that was a cool scene too. But yeah, for me it was just like you know, the culmination of the music and the way they like Christopher Nolan cut the scenes with all the violence yes. and then Joker showing up was that was a hype moment. Yeah. Yes, for sure. 
Um, and then uh, going to the next film in that series, The Dark Knight Rises. Um, again, I had a couple moments this one I could have chosen. I was, I was kind of torn between... I really like the opening with like the plane heist of Bane and or the fight between Bane and Batman themselves mm-hmm. and, and about midway through the film. But uh, for me, actually, in this one, it was... Um, again, spoilers if you haven't seen this one. I think this is a really cool moment, but there is a scene towards the last third of the movie where Batman, who... Bane has imprisoned Batman at this point in a pit somewhere, like away from Gotham. And he just wants Bruce Wayne to watch the Gotch Gotham burn or whatever, right? While yep. Bane destroys it. So, so Bruce Wayne uh, eventually, if you have like a little pep talk from this doctor of the prison, he decides to try and climb out. He's, he's tried multiple times to climb out of this pit already using like a rope, like a harness thing. Mm. Every time he tries to make this final jump, he can never make it. And then the rope just brings him back down. But so this time the doctor tells him like, you know, you try and make the jump without the rope. You have to have because you have to have that element of fear to make that final leap. Okay. If you don't fear death, you'll never make the jump. So he climbs up this thing without the uh, without the rope and he has to make this jump to get out of the pit, right? And um, it's again for this one to, for me the biggest one with this one is the music part. It's just Hans Zimmer when he just gets that music pumping. Because <laughs> that scene too, where he's you probably remember it too. He's climbing this pit and all the prisoners below are kind of like chanting, yeah, like cheering for him. And then like there's, there's this part where so he's he's about to like he's getting closer to the edge to make this jump and then all of a sudden like there's like a spot on the rocks above him where all these bats fly out oh the bats fly yeah. above and he kind of cranks you down and then at that point Zimmer or I shouldn't say Zimmer but Nolan cranks the volume on the score up to like 100 and just like it's just pumping you're just like and they're chanting louder and you're like oh yeah he's gonna make this stuff <laughs> like it's just and that was a moment and that was the one in the theater that I was just like and I remember we saw this in like a relatively empty theater we did we saw it yeah, we were actually in the US at that point we were just over at the uh, Walden well, Galleria yeah you know, or on the other side of the border there and uh yeah, it was pretty like empty theater. I, I can only imagine a full theater though. I know reading like the YouTube comments stuff, people were like, "My whole theater cheered at this point." Oh like, yeah, I didn't have that experience. I've had that experience, but um, next one on the list it will be uh, Django Unchained. Okay, I think it's from 2012 or 2013. I could be wrong, uh, but anyways, uh, if you don't know that one, that's a Tarantino film. That's the one with Jamie Fox and Christoph Waltz and. Famously, Leonardo DiCaprio playing the bad guy, which is a pretty cool role. Yes. A lot of good moments in this one. I could have chosen a lot of moments in this one. Uh, and this is going to be a spoiler. So, again, if you really want to see Django, uh, skip ahead here a bit. But for me, it's definitely the um, – the. I, w- I was going to say, when I say final shootout, I don't want to imply because there's kind of like two shootouts near the end. Um, that's where the spoilers come in here because there's like a shootout and then Django kind of gets captured and then he escapes. There's another shootout. But I'm talking about the first shootout here when he, this is just after, this is a big spoiler. So again, big spoilers go ahead. <laughs> this is the part where uh, Django is about to leave with his wife. They've got their freedom because uh, the Christoph Waltz character. Oh my gosh, what the heck was his name in the, in the movie? Um, well, you're asking the wrong person. Um, he, uh, he secures their freedom from DiCaprio's character. Calvin Calvin Candy. That's who the DiCaprio character is. What the heck is Christoph Waltz's character's name in that movie? Oh, it's gonna kill me now. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so Christoph Waltz, uh, the DiCaprio's not gonna let them leave unless Waltz shakes his hand. He's insisting on this like old school sort of ending the agreement thing, and Waltz won't shake his hand because he despises DiCaprio's character. So eventually, so Christoph Waltz pulls a gun and, and shoots DiCaprio's character, kills him on the spot, and then uh, DiCaprio's henchman guy Butch, I think his name was, he shoots. Waltz's character in retaliation mm-hmm. and then Django grabs one of the guns and it just pops off from there they have this amazing shit like this again there's been a lot of violence in the film to this date or not to this date to this point in the film yeah. there's already been a lot of violence but this is where like Tarantino dials up his violence to 11 like Django just comes out guns blast mm-hmm. and just like blasts everyone in the house and there's a there's a really cool part where uh 
like at this point, like there's just like people are there's blood flying everywhere. People are screaming. All the guys have been shot, screaming on the ground. Django is hiding from these guys who are trying to kill him, and and then these other people, start, like four or five guys, burst into the house to, to try and shoot Django. And then all of a sudden, like Tarantino pops on this like Tupac song. Oh, okay. But it, it was just like so. Obviously, it's kind of out of place when you're thinking of a, yeah. But there's also a lot of other music in this movie that's also like that. A lot of like non-period music, but uh, but I don't know when this Tupac music kicked in, it was just and the guitar was just blasting everyone. And it's kind of going slow motion a bit, and I'm like, this was this was awesome. Like this was nice. pretty hype. <laughs> That was probably the best moment in the movie for me. And seeing it. I remember seeing it in theaters with, uh, actually, I saw it with, with Andrew, my okay. coworker uh, that I play Apex with. And he, I remember he really loved it in the movie, too. He was really hyped for that moment. Um, the, next one's, the next one's kind of interesting. I, I, I told you about this one on my list earlier, and I don't think you had guessed it. Or if you did, you didn't guess the right answer. But for this one, it would be Edge of Tomorrow. Oh yeah, definitely wrong answer. That was the one, the one that came out uh, four or five years ago, I think, with Tom Cruise. That's Live Die Repeat. Yes, based on Live Die Repeat on the. Well, I think the actual manga it's yeah. based on was called, called all, all You Need Is Kill. Isn't called All You oh. Need Is Kill? I think. Is that what it's called? I it's called. Oh, that, I didn't yeah. know that. So anyway, that's yeah, that's one where he's like a it's a futuristic thing where he's a soldier who dies and he keeps coming back to relive the same battle over and over again. So. Um, again, lots of moments I probably could have chosen from this one. It's a great movie, but for me, the thing that really left an impression on me. Uh, seeing it in theaters was actually just the way it ended. I thought it ended perfectly. And when I say the way it ended, because again, this is spoilers here, so um, skip ahead a bit if you want. I mean, so, okay, getting the spoiler out of the way here. Tom Cruise lives at the end. He survives at the end, and so does the other, so does Rita, the, the, um, the uh, Emily Blunt character in the movie. She survives at the end, too, because there's... You know, I won't get into the spoilers of how it happened. There's a whole bunch of time travel hooey going on. But <laughs> hooey. <laughs> hooey. <laughs> Malarkey? I don't know yeah, what you want to call it. I like hooey. But, uh, so at the end, like, because Tom Cruise has seen her character die over and over so many yeah. times during this film, and then he finds a way to defeat the final, like, the aliens at the end, and then make it so that there's a time loop and it actually never happened. They go back to the day it's before. Like Gate. Yeah. They go back to, like, the day before the attack. They've won the war against the aliens. The aliens are gone. So... Basically, like the, the Tom Cruise characters had so many interactions with with Rita in this movie. He goes to to find her again at the end of the movie. You know, he's dressed in his major outfit or whatever from the military, and she's in her usual area in the the training range, or the gun range, doing her sexy yoga or whatever. <laughs> so he, she, he he you know shows up to, to greet her as he's done several times in the movie yeah. to this point. Remember, and then so she, you know. She she gets up and she's like yes like what do you want because she said it to him several times during the movie yeah. and he looks at her and then he just kind of like he thinks of what he's gonna say and he just kind of like smirks and chuckles and it's just like it's just like it's it's that it's this little smile he makes at the end but then it quickly just cuts rapidly right away to the end credits like there's no like big there's no like fade out to a black screen or a, like love no, story like, that gets to right continue. it's just like he just smiles seeing her and then boom credits and the music kicks in and I'm like that was just like a really I don't know like a really happy way to end the movie without mm-hmm. making it like overly sappy you know what I mean yep. like it was a great I don't know like that. Out of all the things in that movie, all the amazing action, everything, just the way it ended. So, I don't know. Uh, to me, that just like I've never seen it. That... You're you're big into your endings. Yeah, because I'm just, uh, yeah, I love when an ending when it, I hate when movies Stick end like I hate when a movie ends like five minutes later than I think it should. Yeah, like I'm like I'm watching a movie and I'm like, okay, they, they, either either the director's like fading to black or he's doing like a, a quick cut to black. I'm like, okay, that's gonna be it, right? That's it. We're gonna walk out of here, and then it keeps going. I'm like, why? This yeah. was this was the perfect one. So, yeah, kudos, kudos to. Them. Live, die, repeat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one on the list. Uh, another movie I loved seeing in theaters, and I've watched it many times again at, uh, at home. Oh, I know it's coming. Oh, what? What's coming? Blah. No, no, it's not yet. yet. No, no. It starts an I. What's after editor? Hell or high water. Oh. Yes. So hell or high water. That's the 2016 film. 
with uh, excuse me, with Chris Pine, uh, Ben Foster, and Jeff Bridges. That's the one about the, uh, the brothers in Texas who are robbing the banks, and uh, Jeff Bridges like the marshals trying to bring them down. So again, I probably could have picked a lot of moments in this one. Uh, I am going to get into a big spoiler here towards the end of the film. So if you really, if you haven't seen this film, and I really recommend you do see it, then if you don't want to be spoiled, I'll skip ahead. But for me, it's this is towards like the last 15 minutes of the film when the brothers are they're on the run. Um, they've robbed a they've robbed a bank, but it's, they've screwed up badly. Like, to this point, they've robbed a bunch of banks, but they've always gotten away with nobody getting hurt or shot or anything. They just take the money and run. This time, they were desperate. They robbed a big bank in the middle of daylight, and uh, just so happened so there was. They had, to, they had to kill a security guard that was there, and then also the, one of the um, customers in the bank pulled the gun on them, because it's Texas, obviously, <laughs> and they had to kill him, too. So two people are dead at this bank, big botched job. They get off, get away in this vehicle. The cops are chasing them. So the, so the, the one brother, Tanner, the Ben Foster character, he wants the other brother, um, Toby, to get away. So he Tanner leads the cops on a chase up to a mountain, and he, he says, I'm going to, so because the other brother's going to get away with the money and go to the casino and do this stuff where they launder the money so they can pay off this right. debt that they owe. So the, so Tanner leads them on a chase through the, through this like, you know, dirt road out in the middle of nowhere. And he, he basically he blows up his truck to create a diversion. It's because the, the, the marshal's following them. They're calling in the SWAT teams and everything. So the brother, Tanner, he runs up on a hill with a sniper rifle that he had in his truck. And he's just going to like shoot at the cops just to buy time for, you know, for his brother to get away and stuff. So they just focus on him. So at this point in the movie, they made a big point also of, besides the relationship of the brothers, they made a big point of showing the relationship between Jeff Bridges and his partner, who's like a um, Native American uh, policeman, okay. or a marshal as well in this movie. Because basically the Jeff Bridges is like, I'm retiring soon, and you're going to mm. take over for me, because this guy's a little bit, young, not a lot younger, but a little bit younger than him. So he'll be like the new marshal, whatever. So we, we develop a, lot, a big relationship between the, even though Jeff Bridges gives him a hard time, they joke around a lot, and and uh, like he doesn't always treat him great. He kind of like you know, he treats him as his his underling, kind of, but right. he has respect for him. And so, anyways, they're they're sitting they're sitting behind their vehicles, and they're kind of like, okay, oh, so we know, okay, so this guy's up on the hill, and he's he's taking pot shots at us. They figure he's just you know sh- shooting away with a sniper rifle. They don't know how good of a shot he is. Like he hasn't killed anybody to this point. Any of the police cop- officers, right? So the Native American cop, who, God, I wish I could remember his name in the movie right now, but um, he's. He's talking, him and Bridges are in the middle of a conversation. All of a sudden, you hear a gunshot ring out, and all of a sudden, the, the Native American cop just, like, falls backwards. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, shit, like, he got shot in the uh, in the shoulder or something, right? And then Jeff Bridges, like, kind of pulls his character away, and as he's pulling him away, like, his hat falls off. You see that he got shot right in the forehead, oh, just out boy. the back of the hat. So it's just, like, an immediate, like, you're not expecting this immediate, just, like, quick death for the, yeah. for the partner, you know what I mean? And Jeff Bridges' reaction, too, like, he's, he did a great job selling. He was horrified. And, uh... I just remember that scene in the theaters where like people like gasped because they were just like because the way they film it, it's not like it's like you know close up on the guy and he gets shot in the head and it's super obvious. It's just like you hear a gunshot ring out and the guy falls backwards and you're thinking, oh, so he got winged or something, right? right? And then he's, he's pulling him away and you just see like the blood trail behind the head. You're like, oh man. <laughs> so that was like a wow moment for mm-hmm. me in that movie. That was because just the quick moment of violence uh, unexpectedly. So yeah, that was a, definitely a moment that uh, that you can't really relive it a second time you know what's coming right we're, we're watching a movie you yeah. already know what's going to happen but the first time you see it you're like oh man that was mm-hmm. crazy um next one on the list i'll keep this one brief because we can talk about this all day but i mentioned this earlier inception yes Blomp. there we go yes. i did now <laughs> <laughs> uh for me with inception and again I, i'm gonna say minor spoilers here but this is like really early in the movie and it really doesn't impact anything so i'm just gonna say it's the first time that you really see what goes on with the 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 world building and the yeah, dream. That's what I would It's a scene yeah. where he's sitting with the Ellen Page character at the cafe mm-hmm. and he's trying to explain to her how the dream world works. 
And remember how you just see, so then he starts showing off. In the sky. He starts like he just like like sort of blowing up the buildings around yeah. them, and then, like the and then like you know the, the the ground starts exploding, the cars are flipping over, and all of a sudden like they're sitting at this cafe in this window, and the cafe just like explodes yeah. outwards all in slow motion. It's just like it was a really cool moment to just show off the visual effects and. But it made sense too, like yeah. it's a good representation. And the craziness of the world, and it's just showing also because like at one point when everything's exploding around them, the character's character kind of like hides, like he puts his, his arm over his face, and then she says to him like, "If it's only a dream, then why are you?" And she gets cut off, and she gets blasted away, and then right. when they wake up, he says to her, "Because even though it's a dream, like if you die in a dream, you wake up, right?" So he's trying to explain to her how the rules of the world work. Like even if you're in a dream, getting a face full of glass still hurts. <laughs> mm. You know, your, your brain still thinks you're gonna be hurt, right? So right. it's just a cool way it's of setting up the rules of the dream world while showing off what they can do. Right. So I thought that was really cool. Again, it's one of those scenes that, like first time you see, it, you're like, man, that's awesome. Especially when they go into crazier stuff later on in the movie. Yes. So, um, on oh, the next one here, another Nolan film. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, the what? No, he didn't do this one after Inception. No, this was later on. This was after Dark Knight Rises, but uh, Interstellar. Mm-hmm. That one that came out in 2014, I believe. That was the Matthew McConaughey, uh, Anne Hathaway, one about space travel, like right. traveling through wormholes and stuff in space to find another planet. So, um, this one's gonna be a big spoiler. So, I mean, it's pretty, it's fairly early on in the film. It's probably in the, within the first hour or so, but um, it is a big spoiler. I think it's something you should definitely go in blind to seeing. So, if you don't want really to spoil, if you haven't seen this movie skip ahead now but uh this one definitely again i saw this one alone. i'm glad i saw this alone in theaters <laughs> because this scene hit me emotionally like a ton of bricks <laughs> like oh my god like i'm pretty sure i heard other people in the theater sobbing around oh, no. too it's a scene where so like i said fairly early on in the movie the first time so Kanye's character goes to space and uh they go to this other planet they're trying to find they're trying to track down um previous astronauts who've gone through this wormhole to try to find other planets to live on so they go to this other planet and they realize when they get there that uh, due to the way relativity works, like the way where this planet is positioned next to a the, the proximity to the black hole, time works a lot differently. Right. So they're basically saying that every hour that they spend on this other planet is like seven years back on Earth. So they want to get in and out of this planet like as quickly as they can right. because they, obviously like people, people at home relying on them to get this data back to help figure out what's going on. So anyways, long story short, they get stranded on this planet due to a... There's, oh, man. there's an issue that happens with uh, with their ship and one of the crewmates dies and the ship gets kind of flooded by this wave. It's like a rogue wave that gets hit on the ship on this planet. So by the time they get back up to their other ship that's orbiting near the black hole, they realize they've been gone for like 21 years uh, <laughs> of real of Earth time. You know what yeah. I mean? So McConaughey, he, he goes to, at this point, he, you know, he's talked to his, or he hasn't really talked to his, when he left, he had two kids. I think one was like a high school uh, son and one, a daughter, younger daughter was maybe like nine or 10. I don't know. Maybe a little bit older, maybe ten or eleven. Um, but uh, he's talked to them periodically during this during his space journey. However long it took them to fly to this black hole time, but uh, obviously at this point now it's like twenty one years have passed. So he he has all these years of videos backed up on their mm. their you know servers or or, or what do you call it, hard drives, whatever you want to call it. So he sits down basically, and this automated voice just says like you know you have twenty three years of messages or something. So he says we'll oh, play boy. play from the beginning. So then. Immediately, it just shows a picture of his son, who's like I said, just graduating high school, talking about how he like met a girl and he thinks this could be the one kind of thing. And so at this point, the camera is just focused on McConaughey's face. And as he's watching these videos, you can just see his expression going from like he's like happy to see his son, and then he immediately just starts weeping and and crying uncontrollably because he's realizing he's missing all of this. Well, he's missing his kids' lives. Yeah. Like his by 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 the time and the tragic part is too. By the time he gets to the end of this, like I'd say two minute montage of him watching all these old clips, he gets to the end because all the videos he's seen so far have just been of his son because he didn't leave on good terms with his daughter murph right she wasn't talking to him so at the very end of this clip there's a clip from the his daughter who's now like 
obviously a lot older, like so many years have passed. Right. And, uh, so she, she says to him, like, uh, you know, she's like, oh, I never thought I'd talk to you again. She's like, but you know, she's like, today's a special day because it's my birthday. She's like, and it's special because you told me when you, that, uh, when you got back from their trip, we might be the same age. She's like, and now I'm the same age you were when you left. Wow. <laughs> so that just hits him. Like, it's crazy to think that like your daughter is now as old as you are Yeah. and you're on different parts of the galaxy. You know what I mean? Like that is just, that's wild to me that no one even thought of that. And, uh, Yeah. McConaughey was sobbing. Everybody in the theater was sobbing. It was a crazy scene. It's, it's one of those scenes that you can still be emotional watching it a second, third time rewatching. Mm. But that first time you see that film, that scene, you're like, oh my God, like this mm-hmm. is crazy. <laughs> like, so yeah, that was cool. Um, moving on, because we got to get this wrapped up here. Uh, next one on the list. This one should be an obvious one. Anybody who's seen this movie, Kingsman, The Secret Service. Oh, for sure. There is one scene you're talking about <laughs> in this movie. I mean, there's, yeah. there's lots of good scenes in this movie. There's one scene you were talking about seeing this movie. And big spoilers here if you haven't seen it yet, please skip ahead. But I hope you've seen this movie by now. It's the infamous church scene. Yes. Uh, where I think I read, I'm trying, to remember, I'm trying to remember reading the behind the scenes. I think it took them like a week to film this like 10 minute scene because of how crazy it was with all the editing and trying, trying to do almost like a one shot. It wasn't exactly a one shot. They tried to make it seem that way. But just the amount of fight choreography that had to go into this scene. And the music was perfect And the too. music with Freebird, it was just incredible. Yeah. I won't spoil the whole scene, but I'm just going to say that church scene. Don't, don't go on YouTube and watch if you haven't seen the movie. Watch the whole movie. Like from beginning to end, and it it will it is such an amazing scene to watch. It's super violent, so if you're not into that <laughs> stuff, like I remember even my mom who doesn't have a problem with violence. I remember watching it with her in the theater. She was like, "Oh my, this is like so excessive because just keeps going on and on it and does, on." Yeah. And it's so it's, it's crazy though. It's it's but still Freebird's a long song. <laughs> Freebird's a long song. Yes. Yeah. Um. Next, I'll go. I'll skip ahead next to the next one on the list, which would be um actually the third Daniel Craig James Bond film, which is Skyfall. Skyfall. Skyfall didn't have a lot of action in it, but mm-hmm. the one that definitely stood out to me seeing in theaters, and maybe had a lot to do with the sound of the scene. The way it was shot, too, was cool, but there's a scene, um, so spoilers again, obviously, this is towards the end of the film, the last third, uh, last act. Uh, there's a scene where Bond has to go back to his like childhood home, which mm-hmm. is called Skyfall, and he basically sets up, he knows that like the bad guys, like um, Javier Bardem's character, uh, Silva, I think, he's going to come and like track him down and kill him, right? So he's waiting for these guys. He's got his, He's got the booby traps around the house he's got his guns ready to go so a bunch of henchmen come into the house bond kills them all obviously but then the crazy thing is then this chopper shows up and this chopper has got like a minigun attached to it okay so the chopper shows up blasting this music it was it was a song i'd recognize but i can't remember what it was, it was like a much older song like a you know a song from like the elvis era or something but this song was blasting and then so this guy in the minigun just like strafes around this huge mansion and just like blasting the heck out of mm-hmm. it and the whole at the time like bond is like running through the house and i don't know like i said i saw in the theaters i remember i remember what stood out for me in the scene what i think was like the audio design because it keeps cutting from like outside where you're seeing the perspective from the chopper shooting at this mm-hmm. building, which they're actually doing. Like, it's not like, you know, they're not shooting at like a model or something. They're actually like, they're, they're going to blow up. Eventually, they're going to blow up the huge mansion house that they've they probably built or bought this thing out somewhere in the middle of Scotland or something. But uh, but then they keep cutting inside to Bond where he's like running around inside. And then the, the guns are just like blasting through the wooden panels on the windows and like blasting through the walls. And it's just like just dust flying everywhere. And then like, when Bond's inside running, you could hear the chopper flying overhead. Like you just mm. hear it zooming by like that. You know, sound chopper makes it zooming mm-hmm. by like really close, like really loud. And I was just like, yeah, this was like a, for a Bond film, this was like a really visceral. Cause I don't think there was any, outside from the music playing from the choppers, there wasn't any like, bond music playing during the right. scene it wasn't like a pump up bond moment it was like oh man like bond's like screwed here, right like how's he gonna get out of this and eventually he just blows up the house mm-hmm. to take the chopper down but uh that was a cool moment yeah <clears throat> next we'll be uh going to the same director that did hell or high water 
So I should say, not the same director, sorry. The one who wrote, the one who wrote Hell or High Water, which is Taylor Sheridan. This was his first time directing. Well, he directed kind of, he directed a bad horror movie back in the early 2000s, which I don't really count. Okay. This, was his, this was his first, like, true, let's call it directorial, a great movie. This one's called Wind River. Mm-hmm. Came out, I think it came out the year after Hell or High Water, so that'd be like 2017. Saw us in theaters. Went in relatively blind. Like, I didn't know any spoilers or anything. Uh, I knew the basic synopsis. Like, it stars Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. Jeremy Renner's like a wildlife tracker like he's a i can't remember what exactly is he definitely he knows how to use a gun he was established that many times throughout the film he's like he's a good shot so i guess like a hunter um so there's a, there's a scene near the end of this film this is a big spoilers here where the elizabeth olsen character who's like an fbi agent who gets assigned to this case of a murder out in these this um oh, what do they call it um like the native land somewhere in like wyoming i think or something like that i can't remember what they I think you're right like native grounds there's yep. a murder there that's why the fbi gets sent in so um she confronts these there's like an oil an oil rig or something nearby like there there's these security guards that were guarding this oil rig where the workers were, were stationed and she, that's where apparently last time this girl was seen like she mm-hmm. apparently had a fling with one of the guys that worked at this oil rig so she goes there to investigate and she gets kind of suspicious on these other security guards about like them maybe covering something up so she wants to question the last guy that she was with or the guy she was seeing so she goes to like knock on this guy's like trailer like these guys are all so you have like she, has, she brought all these cops with her too so you have all these local cops with her you got her the Jeremy Renner character is like kind of like an overwatch and a sniper's role kind of watching what's going on and then there's so she gets like there the the main security guard's just like uh she's knocking on his trailer and the guy's like hey fbi's at the door open up for her and then you know the sniper knows something's gonna happen so he tries to call her off calls his partner down on the radio to get her to tell her to get away from the door and then the shot she gets shotgun blasted through the door oh. and then this fight kicks off like this, this there hasn't been that much violence in the movie to this point but at this point it's all popping off like everybody's just shooting everybody because no one knows what's going on you got the security guard shooting the cops and then, and then eventually it looks like they all get killed. They all kind of wipe each other out in the shoe. There's like maybe three guys left standing and they're going to finish off her because they don't want her to know that they, they killed the, the guy that, that, that was working there because of this mm. relationship with the woman. So, and then, but then, so as, as they're about to kill the, the, FB, the Elizabeth Olsen character, um, oh, you just hear like the sniper shot ring out and then one guy gets down and the other two guys get down. You realize that the Jeremy Renner character is just taking everyone out from a distance. Right. And then eventually he does come down and kind of rescue her. And they do catch the the last guy runs away, but they do catch him later on in the movie. I won't spoil how that ends, but that scene was just like, yeah, I remember in the theater, like people like it was popping off. It was mm-hmm. one of those scenes too where the audio helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Like there's like shotguns going off, machine guns, pistols, and everybody's just getting blasted within two feet of each other. And it's like kind of felt like a Tarantino moment almost, like a light Tarantino moment okay. without the excessive violence. It wasn't a lot of excessive blood or anything. Right. There's like a lot of people getting blown away, and a lot not a lot of quick cutting. Like it was shot really well. There's even a scene like inside the trailer. There's two guys that are in the trailer after Renner's like sniping everybody and they're trying to find out where he is. And the guy's like, oh, he's behind trailer three. And then it's just like, I don't know how realistic this is because I don't really know what. I remember Renner was using a pretty powerful rifle. It probably wasn't like a 50 cal or anything. But at one point, like Renner blows this guy away from I don't know how far the bullet travels. But you hear the shot ring out and then the bullet goes through the window and, and hits this guy. And the guy flies back like five feet through a table. Wow. And you're just like, okay, that was cool. <laughs> like <laughs> seeing it from that perspective. Because we didn't see the shot from outside the trailer. We see the inside view. Right. Where this guy is just like seeing probably like lost millisecond of his life as a bullet yeah. comes through and just blows him away. But uh, yeah, that was a cool scene. <laughs> this one we did see in theaters, guys. You can come down to this next one. We saw this in... I remember we saw it at the Jackson Square Theater in Hamilton. It's supposed to be going back to like 2012 or something, but um, this was X-Men First Class. Okay, yeah. Pretty sure. And the scene I'm referring to in this point is, this is a big spoiler too, it's towards the end of the movie. This is where X-Men First Class was a, I think this was set in like the 70s or something, so you have like a young 
Professor Xavier, Young Magneto. It's like sort of like an origin stories for them almost. Um, not origins, like they have their powers, but just showing like how they became to be like the X-Men that you know today. Right. But there's a scene towards the last act of this movie where um, they are like they're in their X-Men jet and they're flying towards, they're trying to stop this the next Cold War from kicking off between Russia and the US. Like these submarines, uh, battleships are all stationed yep. at this place out in the ocean. They don't want to cross this line to Cuba right. or something. And uh, so they show up in this jet and like Magneto is trying to track the, you have the, the villain in the movie, they have the Kevin Bacon character down in this sub. He's down underwater somewhere ready to kick off this conflict between the U.S. and the Russians. So Magneto was trying to track down this sub because obviously with his with Magneto's powers, he's thinking that he could pull, out of the water. Pull, pull the sub out of the water. So he's trying to pull it out. You can see him doing like the hand hovering yeah. over the water thing, but he's not strong enough to pull it out because Magneto through the film is that kind of like this internal conflict where he doesn't like believe in himself enough or he's got too many like, things going on in his head that he can't focus on what he's doing. So like Xavier goes into his head and tells him like just – like remember the point between rage and serenity or something like that and then Magneto you see his hand is like kind of calming down and the, so the, the sub starts listening out of the water that's not even the cool part it's the music in this scene my god the music in this scene was what stood out for me it was done great composer uh, Henry Jackman who's done a lot of other good music uh, yeah this whole like this scene goes on for like two minutes but it's just like there's no there's no dialogue he's just lifting this thing out of the water slowly so there's a little bit of slow motion going on but um, they're showing the perspective of like the Russians and the US are all watching this going on because they don't like they mm-hmm. know mutants like they kind of know about mutants at this point, but they're they don't scared know. Of them. They're scared of them, so they're seeing this guy lifting a sub out of the water, and they don't know what's going on. But mm-hmm. just like between the, so you're you're feeling cool, cool for Magneto, which is because again at this point, if you're watching the recent X Men films, you're thinking Magneto's a villain, but in this film, you're kind of rooting for him. So he's pulling the sub out of the water, and yeah, the music and everything about it just made such an awesome moment. And visuals, um, mm-hmm. it was a cool moment. Um, I will wrap up here with a couple of quick ones. Um. Uh, and one kind of joke answer here. So uh, <laughs> these are all recent films. So Mission Impossible Fallout. Of course. Uh, I'm not going to spo- get into spoilers here, but if you've seen the trailer, you're going to know what I'm talking about. It's a scene towards the end where there's like a helicopter chase going on. It's just the way that scene was shot and seeing it in the theaters. Like I saw it in the theaters down here in Niagara mm-hmm. and I went to uh, Hamilton to see it in the IMAX theaters. Right. And seeing that scene, because they shot it with IMAX cameras, seeing that scene in IMAX, the helicopter chase where Tom Cruise is actually flying a, a helicopter was ridiculous. <laughs> so definitely if you... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's not in theaters anymore. But if you somehow have a chance to watch it, like the IMAX version, or to watch it on a huge screen with the sound blasting, please do. That's an amazing <laughs> scene. Um, another recent one, John Wick Chapter 3, mm-hmm. Parabellum. Um, again, this is a big one from the trailer. So if you've seen the trailer, you're going to know what I'm talking about. There's a scene in the, I wouldn't say halfway through the film, before halfway, where uh, Tom Cruise, or Jesus, I'm going to say Tom Cruise for a second. Uh, Keanu Reeves, like John Wick, teams up with uh, Halle Berry's character. And they uh, they have this insane action scene that I won't spoil the full. De- the scene goes on for like probably ten minutes. Yeah. But it, it involves let's just say it involves two two. I don't know the breed of the dogs. So I'm not going to call them German Shepherds. They look like German Shepherds, but they're not. Similar like Dutch breed, I think. But there's these two dogs. So the way this scene incorporates a shootout with John Wick, Halle Berry, and all these, they probably kill like 50 people in this scene. But the way they incorporate these dogs into the action scene mm-hmm. was ridiculous. It was so cool. Like the fight choreography was so cool. And those dogs are vicious, man, yeah. like, in a cool way. It was like well-trained dogs, obviously. But man, that scene was just like something. All these John Wick movies have always stepped it up a level. Uh, and Same with Mission Impossible, though, exactly. too. Exactly. Like, so, like, I, I, I'm next? wondering how, what they're going to do for if they do another John Wick, what they're going to do to step it up from this one. The dog scene to me was definitely the standout. And then uh, last, my last answer today is kind of a joke answer. I was, I was, I put Mad Max Fury Road on the list, mm-hmm. and I was like, "How? Hey, what moment do I pick?" And I was like, "You know what? The whole movie, the whole <laughs> darn movie, was just a spectacle to see in theaters. I saw it like three times in theaters. I mean, the first time, obviously, I was blown away because I didn't know what I didn't go in knowing, knowing any spoilers or anything. I just went in. It was a like a visual feast, an audio for the ears. The, the it was all around, just an amazing film. 
and even watching even watching like on a home good home theater setup it's still amazing but i thought that impact of because i don't know i was a big mad max fan like the mel gibson films yeah. back in the 70s and 80s and stuff and and this was the same director that did the original mad max oh, films okay he came back to to do a new one obviously mel gibson's not in this one you have tom hardy in this one and charlie's the ron but yeah the action in this seems on another level too they went uh, they went as practical as they could. There was a little bit of CGI in this movie. Like, obviously, you see there's, like, a sandstorm and stuff going on. Like, yeah. a, But most of the scenes were, like, cars are blowing up or, like, people are being thrown around on, like, wires and stuff. That's all, like, really happening. It was, it was really amazing. The, the film's just, I've seen it described as the film was just one big chase scene. It's all it is. Yeah. Like, you have some slower moments where there's, like, a little bit of character development. But really, once the action kicks off, it's just, like, a nonstop chase the whole movie. <laughs> Did you ever watch the black and white version? No, that's a good point. I did hear that was a really cool way to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Is that on like the Blu-ray? I or? don't know if that's on the copy I have or not. If there was like, a special I, edition I, they released. I believe it was like to... a later on. Yeah, I think you're right. But I did hear that was a cool cut to watch yeah. the black and white version. Although honestly though, this film, the way watching it the regular way, like with the, the colors they use in this film, it's yeah, amazing. Exactly. Like, it's yeah. so saturated and mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. So that's those hey you know like i said uh if you've seen some of the movies on that list i hope i've jogged your memory a bit and you've been like yeah those moments were cool i definitely <laughs> let's go agree. watch that again yeah let's watch it again <laughs> right now i'm so hyped I mean, if you haven't seen any of the movies on this list i hope that you avoid those spoilers yes. i was able to sort of suppress the spoilers enough without giving too much away like you know like the collateral example or um any of them really let's be honest well i did get into some heavy spoilers on some of them but some other ones i was a little vague on so um yeah anyways that's what i got uh trying to come up with another movie topic for next week <laughs> so uh thanks for listening guys hey stay safe out there and uh yeah we'll see, see you, you next week. week thanks boys bye <laughs>